All right, it is your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have everybody back for another day. Jam-packed um, day with Lavelle E. Neal III, Star Tribune columnist, coming up here very soon. We'll get into subjects on gopher women's basketball. We'll get into the Timberwolves. We'll get into some NFL stuff. And we'll get, I pick, pick Lavelle's brain on the Twins, too, because obviously you know Lavelle covered the Twins for a long time, and he's heading down to spring training pretty soon. I wanted to get his perspectives on some of the bigger storylines he sees emerging already and some of the things that he's curious about when he gets down to Florida next week. So we will get into all of those things very soon. We'll get into some gopher men's basketball at the end of the show too. Upset win over Nebraska extending that season um, in the Big Ten tournament Wednesday night. Good for the gophers. They get to play another day Keep the dream alive, right? I mean, as long as you're still playing, you've got a chance, as faint as it might be, four more wins in a row, and they will be in the NCAA tournament. But let's take it one game at a time. They do get that win, and I will run through that. First, though, what did I miss? Minnesota Wild had a bit of a, uh, as as newsmaking at least, had what we might consider a Gordie Howe hat trick. You know, the Gordie Howe hat trick in hockey is a goal, an assist, and a fight. Well, the Wild had um had a in terms of newsmaking the wild had a victory uh they had a injury and they had a mystery let's get to all of those right now victory being in winnipeg on wednesday night huge win in terms of the standings in terms of just the overall scope of their season getting those two points moving into a tie for first place in the division um, they've just been on fire lately, 9-0-2 in their last 11 games. Um, There's a game where they were outplayed by a lot in this game, by, by a large degree. Winnipeg really took it to them in the first two periods in particular, but the Wild, excellent goaltending from Marc-Andre Fleury, um, who just you know stood stood on his head for a lot of that game, outchanced um, you know, Wild playing on the second game of a back-to-back but got enough offense in the game, cashed in on their chances, probably took a, took advantage of some soft goaltending by Winnipeg. Winnipeg really needed this game in order to, you know, have to feel like it was going to move up in the standings. Now the Wild is 5 points, actually 6 points clear of Winnipeg tied with Dallas in uh, in the Central Division. Now Dallas has played one fewer games. Wild has played 65 games. Now Dallas has played 64. Colorado trails by five points, but they've played three fewer games, so it's still going to be very tight at the end, but the Wild putting itself in position right now, tied for the division lead with that excellent run they have been on, doing it mostly with defense and goaltending, but did get the three goals in this game, and then the fourth, an empty netter late to seal the game as they were withstanding some more pressure as Fleury was under duress again, so big one there. Now, the injury overshadows a lot of it right now. Kirill Kaprizov goes down midway through the third period, an awkward hit with Logan Stanley from the Jets. Did not not return, skated off gingerly under his own power at least. Um, But that, of course, is what we'll be watching for today. Any kind of update on that. Kaprizov, you can't afford to have him missing for any length of time and expect to you know, withstand, expect to continue this run they've been on, even though it has been a lot of defense. Kaprizov supplied so much of the offense in that stretch. Yeah, they just went and got a bunch of forwards, but none of them are Kirill Kaprizov. Nobody really on this team comes close to being Kirill Kaprizov, and few people in this league approach his level. 
So we will be watching for that. Um, what you know, what that means, what that looks like, what uh, what the prognosis is for Kirill Kaprizov. Um, you know, so that that piece of it. You know, after the game, um, it it was addressed at least. It was it was addressed by you know by Dean Evison said you know at least the the good news is he was able to skate off in his own power. Um, but you know, if you watch the play, it, it you know he's kind of moves his bends his leg awkwardly, and he's you know he's been relatively healthy here, obviously with with the Wild throughout throughout his career. In addition to being such a great player, so that is something we will be watching for today as well. Now the mystery goes back to the Calgary game two nights ago at XL Energy Center when the Wild was um, was hosting Pride Night at XL Energy Center. And they decided not to wear their Pride Night warm-up jerseys uh, before the game. Now, this was supposed to be something they were going to do as part of an auction. Um, reading from the Star Tribune story, the team had a special Pride Night ticket package, provided information tables, other things they did. But it originally planned for players to wear rainbow jerseys pregame that later could be auctioned. The Wild instead skated with their game jerseys in warm-ups. Um, now, like I said, they did plenty of other things in this game to, as part of their as part of their Pride Night. Um, they some of, some of the players had rainbow tape on their sticks pregame. John Merrill had a post game meet and greet. Um, there were sweets that sweets that were donated to Twin Cities Pride, Twin Cities Queer Hockey Association, Team Trans. Jack Jablonski, who came out as gay in 2022, issued the Let's Play Hockey pregame wearing one of those Wild Pride Night jerseys, but. As for why the Wild didn't do this, and this has been a little bit of a controversy in the NHL um, with uh, with uh, with a player from the Flyers, even Provorov, not wearing the Pride jersey, with the Rangers scrapping their plans to wear them uh, in in a, in a game in January. The Wild did not so much say why, but they did issue this statement: "Quote: The Minnesota Wild organization is proud to continue our support of the LGBTQ community by hosting our second annual Pride Night last night." which we celebrated in many ways. It's important to host nights like this to show all players, fans, and the LGBTQ community that hockey is for everyone. We will continue to utilize our platform to strengthen our community and create a greater sense of hockey. Again, that doesn't really address why they didn't wear the the jerseys pregame. We might not ever find out why that was the case, what exactly happened. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Um, But just an interesting side note to that Calgary game if you were wondering what happened there. And again, maybe what we'll gain some clarity on Thursday is why exactly or what exactly is going on with Kirill Kaprizov after that injury on Wednesday night. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Always good to have Lavelle E. Neal third on Daily Delivery. Got a bunch of stuff, Lavelle. Um, I want to get to some twin stuff in a little bit. You head down to Florida in a little over a week. Always fun to be down there and see what's uh, what, what's shaking with uh, with the twins. But there's a lot of other stuff percolating right now. Doesn't it feel like there's kind of some some intriguing things to to get to in in this in the market right now? I think so. I think there's a lot going on with a lot of teams, a lot of organizations. There's been roster moves. There's been personnel changes. And we have spring training where hope spr- yes. uh, springs eternal. So 
Um, it's actually a fun time of year on the sports calendar because you got so many sports to play. And, you know, and NFL is relevant 365 days a year, and they continue to make news. Yes, they do. And we'll get to some NFL stuff, I think, towards the end here. But I want to start with college basketball and both of the Gophers programs. Let's start with the, the men. Um, you know, Ben Johnson, year two here, you know, back-to-back last place finishes in the Big Ten, 2-17 and 17 in the regular season. You know, maybe a few signs of some some you know marginal improvement towards the end of the year, but not a whole lot of growth in year two. But again, circumstances being what they are, really the first year he was here was a complete teardown. Had to get a whole bunch of you know transfer portal guys in just because the whole team left essentially when Richard Pitino was mm-hmm. let go. That said, Lavelle, in this era of college basketball, even though patience probably is still important how much time do you think ben johnson a deserves and b has beyond this season yeah i i personally think that ben was in a tougher spot than lindsey whalen when she took over the women's program um just because of the uh the people who left the program i mean you know every time i see texas play i see marcus Carr just you know styling for the longhorns i'm like man what could have been you know, for the Gophers, you almost want to count that first year as year zero. I mean, he right. he basically had an expansion team uh, with all the new faces he brought on. And then one of the guys who was supposed to be a high-flying player, Parker Fox, you know, tore up a knee and couldn't play, and then tore up a knee, the other knee and can't play this year. Right. So um, he's got to – he had to establish an identity. He had to build, uh, build a foundation for the future with – you know, a bunch of guys who are coming in from different programs and they're young and inexperienced. And it's just, it's, it's, it is shown in the big, t- in the big 10 play, man. Um, and it's going to be some more turnover because it looks like Jameson battle is going to uh, pursue some professional opportunities overseas next year. And Talon Cooper, who I don't think is that big of a loss. No, is going to move on as well. Uh, I've never seen a guard had trouble shooting 50% from the free throw line. I, that, that just baffles me. Yes. Um, and there was other times like, you know, Farrell Payne has got a mismatch and on paint. I know Farrell is still limited offensively, but my God, the kid was six six against Farrell Payne. And Talon is looking right at him. I'm like, get the ball into the paint. You just gotta make the basic play sometimes, just based on general principle, you know. So um getting another point guard will be huge. The development of Farrell Payne would be significant. Ola Joseph showed some promise during the season. Um you know, Dennis Evans, to me, was not going to be a program-changing recruit, but uh, the fact that you basically had a two-man recruiting class and 50% of it got wiped away when Evans left, you know, that leaves a hole. And he, he was happened to be 7-1 who could, sh- who could block shots. Maybe been limited offensively, but he was in a position to play and yes. impact the roster next year. That was a huge loss. Now you just have the Christie kid coming in. Um, hopefully they can mine the portal. Uh, for for some help during the offseason, regardless if it's that point guard or maybe another front line player, uh, but I I really like Farrell Payne. Everybody, I think Payne's got a lot of promise. If he just works on having a five foot game next year instead of a two foot game, yes. and then go and then move out from there, you know, um, because in order to build a program, you got to have you got to you got to stack good recruiting classes, but you also need a core of players who stick around for three years, you know, who are veterans who can who can um, not make be mistake prone and not fold under pressure. You know, part of your roster has to grow old in addition to like the young studs coming in. And uh, Ben's got to get to that point with this program. 
Yeah, he does. And they're they're nowhere near there right now. And I think the biggest the biggest problem so far is just not being able to recruit guards. You know, the, the guard play has just been so lacking. And I think he's got to do, you know, Chip and I talked about this last week. He's got to do a much better job in the portal. The guys they're bringing in in the backcourt. And I think last year was was better at least when, when they had you know, when they had a little bit, a little bit there, and they had you know something, something going uh, uh, sometimes, but this year the the guard play just just wasn't there for them. And, and you should be able to do better and get guys that can help you in that area, and that that drives the whole team right now. So that that piece of it's got to get better because they're not going anywhere next year if they don't improve the backcourt. I I agree. Um, like, like I said, to me, Tawan Cooper leaving is not that big of a loss. And they should be go. Should, they should be able to go out and find someone who can uh, handle handle uh, drive this car down the street a little better than Talon did. Um, regardless if it's a late blooming high school kid or a kid coming out of the portal or whatever, um, they can they can find a guy who can can be the traffic cop there and and, and put guys in position to score. Uh, they could, you could never have enough shooters either. Uh, hopefully he can shoot a little bit from the perimeter as well, but uh, that's a glaring need on this Gophers roster band going forward. So hopefully they uh, bank and find that type of player. Um, well, once again, every time you see Marcus Carr for, oh, for Texas, you're like, man, uh, he was with the Gophers. Why did he have to leave? Where was NIL for him? You know, but yeah, uh, uh, they'll hope we'll see how Ben navigates that. I'm sure he knows he's got a priority on what type of player he needs to bring in for next year. Yeah. I mean, but the, the question does remain like if this looks similar next year even if the record improves a little bit but let's say they're a, a six or a seven win big 10 team instead of a you know a two win big 10 team i don't know i just i don't i don't know where you say there's improvement versus man this just isn't working and i it would not i, I don't think two two years is way too way too little but i don't know if three years is too little in this case even though it might be a lot of times well once again i, I hate to compare the men's program to the women's program but i wonder one thing that sped up Coyle's decision-making with Lindsay was that there are a couple other Big Ten programs that showed immediate turnaround with new coaches coming in. Uh, Illinois uh, with Shauna Morris coming in, and I think I think Purdue's playing a little bit better. There are a couple of teams there that kind of looks like they turned the cor- corner rather quickly yeah. um, uh, with, with new coaches. And so will Coyle start looking at that as far in terms of Ben uh, at the end of year three or – if it is a six or seven win Big Ten team, we'll know that following year be the hot seat year for Ben. Yeah. Uh, remains to be seen. This is a big offseason uh, for the program to see who else they can bring in to kind of increase the talent level. You brought up Lindsey Whalen a couple times. Um, obviously, that news last week that they are parting ways. Five years she got. And, you know, I think you made a good point. Like she waited a while to kind of do the whole, you know, rebuild that came really in year five. That's kind of a hard time to do it. She did have a good recruiting class, uh, but did not show much results in year five on the court. Now, the good news for the Gophers right now is that a lot of that recruiting class, at least the, some of the key members right now, including Mara Brown, have indicated they are staying. That was, you know, reported this week by Kent Youngblood. That's a big piece of not having to completely start over with whoever's going to be the new coach here. You know, that said, uh, you know, those, those players did come in, you know, for the program, but also for Lindsay. So you do wonder if this doesn't get on track soon, how long they'll be here, but you know, a good sign for them, at least that they were able to keep those players, even with Lindsay departing. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, higher as well. Um, and we know it remains to be seen if the incoming classes are all going to commit. Kennedy Click did. She's definitely coming in from Maple Grove. Um, but the player from the Czech Republic, I haven't heard anything about her, what her interest in, because um, one of the reasons she came to Minnesota is because Lindsay played for her coach uh, for the Czech Republic. So there was a Wayland Czech uh, connection there. Well, she changed her mind. And that player, who I was told may be the best of the group, she's playing at a prep school in Florida right now. So um, we're still waiting to see if uh, everybody who said they're going to come is definitely going to uh, follow through on their commitment. Um, but I think it's great that um, it looks like this group from this current year that, that took their lumps and saw what it's going to take to compete in the Big Ten uh, have decided to come back. I, I, I kind of thought they would um, just because, you know, I remember the story. Kent did a great story um, uh, last year um, about, uh, you know, when that when the incoming freshmen were in their senior years in high school, that like the current golfers are going to their high school games and cheering for them and starting to build that bond, you know. Um, building that connection with the with the incoming uh, freshmen, and I think you know that uh, that helps create the the, the tight knit group that people like to see from teams sometimes. So uh, I think it's a group that that likes each other and likes to play with each other and can grow and prosper together. So um, I was I was hoping that with uh, those early bond build those early early bond building sessions were would be enough to absorb. Uh, a regime change and it looks like it has for the most part so um that's why i think the program's in a better sh- better shape than the men's program because there are some you know the men do have feral pain who i like but yeah. it looks like there's a handful of players um for the on the women's program that look like they could be pretty good i think Braun could be a stud and, yeah and she's a, really good the big in the big 10 and so i don't think the cover's bare there so if they can just bringing the majority of the recruiting class coming in and keep their eyes and ears open on the portal for more help. I think the incoming coach is in a decent situation. One more thought on that, whoever that is. I mean, I, the heat kind of goes on coil now, right? I mean, he's made some good hires. Bob Motzko, certainly PJ Fleck. Yes. Um, other sports that he nailed the volleyball hire he had to make, I think we'll see about that. But right. you know, the two basketball hires um, that he's made so far, um, you know, Whalen didn't work out and Ben Johnson is, you know, to, to be, to be determined, but that hasn't started maybe the way I think you'd like to see more progress at this point than, than they've mm-hmm. shown. So this is a pretty big hire for him, um, to, to get this one right. And I have to imagine he's got someone in mind already. And that, you know, once the tournament is is done or once a team is out that he's targeted to coach, we're going to find out pretty quickly who that is. If I was a glass half empty person, I would also argue that PJ just coached a team that may have underachieved last year. And I will also say that Lou Nanny had a hand hand in Bob Motzko coming to the Gophers as yes. well. If I was a negative Nelly about the whole Gopher program. You can be negative. That's fine. Can, you can be negative. I can twist it in that direction and dump down on top of the negatives uh, that have developed with the the Whalen and Johnson hires. But I'm not. I'm not going to go there. You're not going to go, go there. there. You kind of just I did, think, but. I think I think I think PJ's done a decent job with the football program. I think they're better. And I I, I haven't had a chance to spend a lot of time when I keep hearing that when he's not rowing the boat or sky you mine or whatever, that he actually is a solid excellence as an, an old guy, you know. So um although ten players left the program from last year. Yeah. A lot of defensive backs, yeah. Yes. What's up with that? Um uh but Moscow, look, the go for a hockey team is the powerhouse right now. 
Um, they're head, they're chugging into the postseason here. Their their top line of Snuggerud um, and Cooley and Maddie Nice could probably be the second best line for the Arizona Coyotes <laughs> right now. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, so there's there's good things here, and Qual deserves credit for pushing that one over the finish line. Although I think Lou had a big hand in that. Sure. Um. So, but yeah, a year from now, if they if he has to have a difficult conversation with uh, Ben Johnson, will it be time for someone? up above to have a difficult conversation with him you know so these are the revenue generating sports that he needs yes. to hit on uh the athletes village still has not been paid for you know yeah. um the the football team even though they're playing a little bit better they're not selling out these games they're, no. they're now you could argue that the athletic department maybe is pricing people out of out of the stadium or they should be a little more proactive in getting high school kids maybe giving free tickets so they can come and experience the, the atmosphere and maybe cultivate some followers that way possibly that's the that's the pete nigerian uh, argument that they <laughs> takes high school kids uh but <clears throat> uh, you have to say quell's tenure has had some successes and some failures so um you got a couple he's got a couple pivotal things coming up here uh with how the basketball program moves forward in, in both men's and women's and if pj can sustain whatever level of success you think he's had at the with the football program now, let's keep it with basketball, but transition to the Timberwolves. I think we talked two or three weeks ago, and it was the same thing, Lavelle. It was Carl Anthony Towns. When is he coming back? Timeline, uh, you know, final stages. Chris Finch said he said it again this week. But, man, how, how, long can, how long can this be in the final stages before the season's over? There are only 15 games left in the whole year. They keep talking about, you know, wants to have it 100% right. We still don't know, though, exactly what is – going on here and they sure could have used him against Philadelphia. They sure can use him a lot of these games. Like sometimes they haven't quote unquote missed him when they make enough shots, when they play enough defense, when they won those three games out West, no one was, no one was as as urgent about cat at those, at those moments. But when they don't play well and you get a game where Anthony Edwards scores in the thirties and nobody else comes even close to helping him, you start to feel the absence of Carl Anthony Towns. You start to wonder what exactly is going on here. Yeah, that, this is a concern for me because when you get within, is it 15 or less now? It seems it's like 15 it now. Few, I think it's 15. 15. I think they're 34 and 33, so they got 15 games left. So, you know, when you get to the point where there's 15 games left in, in the season, you know, once Carl comes back, how many games is it going to take him to get up to game speed exactly. and to get his sharpness up? He basically needs another training camp once any, whenever he's ready to, to join the fray here. So, I mean, if he came back tomorrow, when would he be like good to go for like the last seven to eight games to give us the cat that we're used to seeing? Um, I I don't know, man. Um, and then, you know, what is that bold for the postseason? Um, I like the Mike Conley addition just because he could he can be the he could be the true point guard with all this, this group of players. So I want him to have all those players available to him. Um, if you remember historically with Utah and Rudy Gobert. Gobert has disappeared offensively in the postseason in the last couple of years because offense isn't really, you know, he's not that big. He's not that impactful of an offensive player. He gets points from rebounds. He gets points from just happening to be around the basket and being 7-3. You know, he can right. flip in an occasional hook shot, but it's not like a guy that you say he needs to touch the ball in every possession. That's not what Gobert is. Yeah. So you need Cat. And so Conley can have that, that secondary outlet. And so Ant Edwards, who's starting to look a little confused out there, like I'm the only guy out here who can score, you know. So, and it'd be it would help if there was some more transparency from Cat 
from the Wolves. I don't know who's running the show here. Is it Cat's Corner telling keeping the Wolves from uh, divulging information? The last time we heard from Cat, he was a little upset over the initial prognosis of him being ready. What in the, in the, what is it, eight weeks or something like that? And he was like, "No, I was too four, soon." Yeah, I, was four too to, I think four to six was the was the initial Woj report, which is yeah. Now we're into like three times that much. Yeah, he put he he pushed back on that saying that yes. uh, that was it wasn't it was going to be much longer than that, and it makes him look bad now that he missed that that unrealistic deadline. You know, so are the wolves trying to be careful and sensitive to Carl's feelings now? Um, the fans could use some direction here too. You know, yeah, um, it was a year ago this time. Everybody was fired up how the wolves were finishing the regular season and how they were going to the exciting playoff series against the, the Grizzlies. Um, now I think everybody's like, okay, what's up with cat? What's the plan? Uh, you have, he has social media. He's got Twitter. I believe I know he has Instagram. You know, he can, yeah. he, he can at least t- send out a picture of him, of him on a court shooting a jump shot. Yeah. Just say it's coming together or something. We see a lot um, of pictures of him like in his fashionable clothes and stuff like that. We don't see a lot of pictures of him playing basketball right now. Yeah. I mean, he's turning into, uh, Anthony Davis. He's becoming Mr. Street street clothes. You know, uh, of the NBA. And that's that's probably one of the worst nick- nicknames I've heard bestowed on a player in, in recent years. We <laughs> that's have a good one, though. That's a good one. Street clothes, you know, because he's been hurt so much. And uh, I, I I can't remember. I don't I can't I can't remember when what Carl looked like the last time he was on the court for the Wolves. So and he used, um, he used to be an Iron Man, Lavelle, like his first few years in the league. He played 82 games every time he was. He used to be a guy who was never hurt and always suited up. <sighs> Man, it's just baffling. I, I mean, I feel bad for the fans because I feel like uh, they they probably feel like uh, they could use a little more direction here uh, and a sign that there's hope coming and that this team, you know, could be a, a little more lethal in the postseason than a year ago. And I feel bad for Chris Finch, too, who is left to answer these questions because nobody else will answer them. Nobody, Tim Conley's not answering these questions. Cat's not answering these questions. Nobody else has taken these questions except Chris Finch, who's just sitting there saying, Final stages, hoping to get him back. We're hopeful still, stuff like that. So that's not promising to me. Um, Lavelle, I want to get you on a couple other things before we go. First, quarterback market in the NFL is interesting. You saw Daniel Jones signed a pretty lucrative extension with the My Giants. God. I think $160 million, $82 million guaranteed. The Geno Smith deal, the Derek Carr deal. Now Lamar Jackson could be in play for a lot of these teams. What do you make of the offseason so far, including, you know, Aaron Rodgers even now maybe with the Jets? What what do you make of this so far? Uh, it's got, you know, it, this is coming, and we're going to see some craziness with the quarterback market here. Um, Daniel Jones getting $40 million a year is baffling me, to me. Um, he's a competent caretaker. He can run, but a guy who, is he a guy that can lead the team, push him over the top, uh, being a being a uh uh offensive threat, you know, every time he draws back. I don't know if that's Daniel jo- uh, Jones or not. Um, I find it remarkable that uh the Lamar Jackson saga has taken a turn it has. Yeah. Um, am I surprised that the Ravens end up tagging him? No, I'm not. Uh and if he's if Lamar Jackson uh pays attention to the market, I think Kirk Cousins has benefited from being tagged a couple times by the uh from by Washington. I think that led that gave him a great jumping off point for his salary, you know, when he uh left there and came to, to Minnesota. So um what I understand is that how many teams kind of came out through you know Ron Rappaport or other uh NFL wonks and said, no, nah, we wouldn't be interested in uh, Lamar Jackson. The month the man right. was an MVP. He is 26 years old. Uh he's been a winner, a winner as a starter. Uh he could transform your offense. Yes. You gotta be worried about the last couple of years of him being injured, 
Um, yes, has he made the improvements throwing the ball as you expected him to? Maybe not, but still, uh, when he's on the when he's on the field, um, he's electric, and your offense is totally different with him on the field than when someone else is on the field. So he can help a lot of different teams. So I I was also surprised at how uh, how teams are quick to dismiss the possibility of adding him on to uh, adding adding him to their roster. I would hope that someone comes to their senses and kind of takes a look at him because he deserves. And he deserves if if Daniel Jones is getting forty million, then Lamar mm. Jackson deserves at least forty million. Oh yeah. Um, if Geno Smith's getting thirty five million, then then Lamar Jackson deserves forty five million. You know where I'm at with this? Yes, I am. So, oh, guys are the, the the quarterback market is expanding rapidly here. Um, and this is why uh, the periphery of this too are the Chicago Bears who are sitting with the first overall pick. Yeah. You know, trying to trying to use it as ransom to get a haul in return for a team that's desperate for a quarterback. You know, will a team decide like Houston? Like, you know what? Let's just rebuild around Lamar Jackson. Okay, we'll sign him to a forty-five million dollar a year deal, and now we're out of the bear sweepstakes pot here. You know, could something like that happen? I don't know. Um, as far as Rodgers is concerned, I think the Packers are better off for him being somewhere else at this stage in his career. It's not gone smoothly. He's gotten weirder and weirder as he's gotten older. <laughs> Uh, you, I think you just want that out of your locker room right now. Uh, if Woody Johnson indeed is in California visiting and sampling Ayahuasca with uh, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> then uh, you go ahead and let the Jets finish that transaction and you start the Jordan Love uh, era immediately. And you notice I'm not even asking you about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. I've talked about that enough this week. We don't have to get into <laughs> Kirk right now. It's fine. We don't have to do that right now. I'm just... I, I, the one thing I will say that, that B and Ben talked about earlier this week, Ben Gessling, is that it looks like the moves the Vikings are making are designed to not have to do a Cousins extension first, to not have to come to the table with him and say, okay, we need you to do this extension to get under the cap, things like that. So that gives them maybe a little bit more leverage to decide what they really want to do as opposed to kind of being boxed into a corner where they have to do something just to get cap compliant. Yeah, you know, because... I, I... It doesn't sound like Kirk. I mean, we're only trying to read the tea leaves here. Bits and pieces of information that have come out in you know in recent weeks, but it doesn't sound like Kirk is too fired up about giving up too much of a discount no. to, to stay in Minnesota. That he's gonna want what the market is going to bear. Um, he's gonna want what he's worth. And folks, you are you are what you you are worth what you are at the time you can get the the, the biggest contract you can get at that time. Uh, that didn't come out right. You are worth what you can get at that moment in time. So yes. Um, it, it, Kurt's thinking that, uh, and this he's going to look at Daniel Jones getting 40 and Geno Swift getting 35 and whatever Lamar Jackson ends up with, and he's going to make sure he's slotted right in there. Um, do the uh, I, I wonder, I mean, people speculate all the time. Uh, there's so many websites devoted to this stuff, but will the Vikings even entertain moving him to someone like, like San Francisco yeah. and resetting with Trey Lance, um, who would be a cheaper alternative. Um, I don't know if they should. I think Kirk decide, des- deserves to come back another year. Um, but you do need to retool that defense really bad. Eric Kendricks was let go. Jordan Hicks is probably going to be let go. Sounds like uh, the Vikings are interested in re- restructuring Harrison Smith's contract, yeah. and they want Patrick Peterson's contract back as well. That's fine. But I want to know what new blood they're going to bring in on defense yeah. too. And if I'm Kirk Cousins, I want to be interested in that as well. So, um, so I, I give the Vikings credit for approaching this the way they should that they have, not 
panicking about trying to get Kurt done before you do anything else. And yes, maybe after some of their offseason unfolds and they add some pieces and and you know get under become capital compliant between now and next week, uh, maybe they'll be in a better position to, to have some leverage when they do officially approach Kurt about some contract maneuverability. Yeah, I agree. Final thing, Lavelle, you go down to spring training in a little over a week with the Twins. Any storylines emerging for you so far that you are interested in putting eyes on once you get down to Florida? Now, I want to see how the Joey Gallo experiment is working. It's not really an experiment. He's going to be their love fielder. Um, but I wasn't fired over about the signing. But the, the Twins feel like they could tweak something with his, uh, with his approach to the plate to get more out of his bat. And if they could do that and he can hit 230, 240, that's a huge plus. Uh, 199 guy is just that's yeah. not the guy I want to see in the middle of the Twins lineup. I mean, he had like he had like 160 a couple at one year, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Tyler Lamali going to drive line during the offseason, coming back with a better slider and working on a split finger fastball. Um, healthy and more weaponized than he was a year ago. Uh, it makes him an intriguing guy in camp this year to see because he could be like the number one guy in that rotation if that's the case. Um, given his track record with the with the Reds, um, Edouard Julien, the second baseman with the sweet swing from Canada, um, he's going to be showcased here in the World Baseball Classic here in a couple of days. Um, it looks like he is opening eyes in camp with his hitting ability, and it, it may just be a matter of time where he's going to be in a position to help the major league club. At whose detriment that will come, we don't know yet. But all I know is this: that you always try to find a a room in the lineup for a bat. They did that with Arise a few years ago, and they may have to do that with Julian uh, this year. And the last one is just the continuing adjustments to the new rules in Major League Baseball and how that's going to play out. Um, I saw a weird situation where uh, a player got assessed a strike, but even though he was in the batter's box, uh, he was looking down, and the pitcher was waiting for the hitter to look at look at him before, before he delivered the pitch. So it was like three or four awkward seconds here. And all of a sudden the umpire rang up the hitter, even if both feet were in the batter's box for not hmm. engaging the pitcher. So now we have to now engaging the pitcher has become a judgment call. Now to see what, what, what does that constitute? Um, I also saw uh, even though you're banning the shift in the infield, I saw outfield shift last week in which, they brought the left fielder over against the yep. left-handed hitter and had him playing short right field. And we and did that with had, Gallo the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And just leave the left outfield spot vacated. Uh, is that going to become a thing? Or was that just an experimental deal um, as teams try to find an edge through all this thing? So um, we're going to have a fascinating season coming up because of the pitch clock and some of the other rules. Um, it's still intriguing to see how teams are adjusting and trying to take advantage of it and try to figure out what they can get away with during the regular season. Um, as they kind of work through these new rules in spring training. I can't wait to see it in person. Alex Kirilov, is he going to be on the opening opening day roster? Uh, it's trending in that direction that he should be ready to help by opening day. I am going to say that because it's the Twins, that he'll probably need another 10 days. So uh, <laughs> uh, get ready to see Miranda maybe at first base, and they'll have to hodgepodge at third. Um because Miranda's got a slightly short shoulder, apparently. Yeah. Um, Joey Gallo could also play at first base. That means Michael A. Taylor could play in the outfield, or maybe you could pluck Nick Gordon out there. There's Rocco's gonna, you know, he's got a flexible lineup. And you know, Donovan Solano, um, is he a lock to be um 
somewhere in the 26th to start the season. And when, where do you fire him out at? Cause he could play around as well. So, um, I, I got, I, I'm hoping that the twins that could start the season as healthy as possible, that there's some little nicks now yeah. that are, could play into some decision-making for those final roster spots. Always do. Well, appreciate it. As always, Lavelle, we'll look for your coverage from down in Florida, joining our beat writer, Phil Miller down there in a little while. Appreciate all of the thoughts on all these subjects, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for having me. Postscript to that conversation with Lavelle, of course, we talked about Ben Johnson and the Gophers. They go out and win Wednesday night in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, 78-75 over Nebraska. A good win. Like we said, they've been playing better lately. I think it showed in that game they're a more confident team right now. Dawson Garcia, very good in this game, 18 points, 13 rebounds. And they, they managed to win, even though Jamison Battle, their second leading scorer and their best player coming into this season, uh, fouled out basically halfway through the second half. But they get that win. They play Maryland today, trying to keep going in this season and, you know, maybe some signs of progress towards the end of the year. They had that win over Rutgers. Um, that, that was, you know, that big one where they came back with all those three pointers from Battle. They've been more competitive lately for sure. Um, again, I don't think they're going to win another game this season. I'd be surprised if they were really all that competitive against Maryland, but you never know. They, they do seem like they're playing better right now. Kudos to Ben Johnson for having them playing in a good way. And some other good news, they, they, uh, Marcus, Marcus Fuller reporting that uh, uh, they're, uh, one of their other best recruits, Cameron Christie, the four-star recruit, uh, said he's still going to play for the Gophers. He hasn't changed his mind. I never wavered. So that is a big deal as well for the Gophers who need all the good news they can get and have had some good news in the last several days with some wins, some good some good recruiting news, things like that. So maybe, just maybe, some things going their way. We will see if they were able to keep it going against Maryland today. That'll do it for me. Um, thanks for joining me on Daily Delivery today. Good stuff coming up tomorrow. Um, enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and we'll be back at it then. <laughs>